Today it is all about the beef, celebrity beefs, big pop feuds. It's a slight departure from, from our, our normal comic book themed beefs, but we talk about a seldomly discussed feud, a giant feud between two pop superstars, Michael Jackson and Prince. This one goes way back and there's actually filmed footage. It's when alphas collide. And that's exactly what happened with MJ and Prince. We we don't leave comic books behind as we look at the big beef currently going down between Image Partners Jim Valentino and Eric Larson that has recently come to light. Look, it's a jam-packed episode. And 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 did Prince did Prince really try to run down MJ with his limo? Just just how poorly did Michael Jackson mispronounce Minneapolis anyway. Look, we've got the entire lowdown on an all-new episode of Observations. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Observations. I'm your host, Rob Liefeld. I have been making the comic books, producing the comic books, writing, drawing, you name it. I've done it. I've even printed the comic books for 39 calendar years. I absolutely love and adore comic books. Uh, I have since I was seven years old, pulling them off of the spinner rack. I have worked for all the major companies, Marvel, DC. I've created Amazing characters that have connected with fans like Deadpool and Cable and X-Force and Youngblood and Prophet and Evangeline. And I am so excited to be able to talk comics with you on this podcast where we talk about not only the history of comics, but my own personal journey with comics. And I was fortunate enough to be there fairly early on, uh, all things considered, given now that given now that Marvel is hitting 80 years and the and Wolverine is 50 years old and the X-Men was 60, 60 year, years old uh, last last year. So, so this podcast celebrates comic books, celebrates comic book creators first and foremost, because without comic book creators, you have nothing. You have zero. You have nothing on a page to adapt into a toy video game, into a lunch pail, into a uh, into a t-shirt, much less a streaming show or a global blockbuster. The comic book creators are some of the geniuses of my life, the, the, the people that have uh, inspired me more so than even some of the most influential directors or or authors uh the, the comic book people and we know we we know that we are part of this weird obsession uh and 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 we we have this devotion to this craft but it between all of us all of the history of comic book creators so much greatness has been achieved formed created and shared and and hopefully if you're listening to this and you make comics you'll you'll get the appreciation that I have for you and what you've done and what you're doing and hopefully if you are somebody who reads comics and enjoys comics you'll get from this the appreciation that I have for you because without the audience we don't have anything either the stuff that we make just drops and I have always had the good fortune of interacting with one of the greatest audiences the 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 generation that grew up with me and my peers, the late 80s and then the early 90s, the entire 90s surge, 
that group was was a was a brand new influx of of reader of fan of audience they were younger because we were younger and for whatever reason what was going on in sports cards and and trading cards at the time they decided to give comic books a shot and it was the first time in the 90s that I saw kids skateboard kids you know, skater punks. I saw an, an infusion of youth, and I had been going to conventions and doing store signings myself. Uh, I had been attending them as a fan, and I had never seen so much youth come into comic books and 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 form this audience as I did from 1989 to 1999. It was an incredible surge, and of course, the movies and the streaming shows and all of that has expanded. Uh, the awareness and grabbed some people in who may only interact with comic books and comic book superheroes via whatever hot topic or box lunch has to offer them. And that means those stories, those stores are important. That Funko Pop, that T-shirt, that um, diorama, that statue that you get that 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 is available at Hot Topic or or is available at at uh, at, at box lunch or GameStop. That may be as far as you go. You may never get to a comic book store. Because then that's an entirely new experience. But we have to appreciate all of the different ways that people are interacting. The kid who's begging his mom to get the comic book shirt at Target or Walmart may not go to a comic store for another five years. But I celebrate everybody. And I welcome everybody in. And and certainly the demographics for the movies have skewed younger and wider. But they have not been, I, I think, like... Like day one comic book people who 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 were born from these comic books, the two staples in between the newsprint, the thirty two page uh, uh, signature that makes up most comic books since I've been alive and collecting myself. So yeah, if if, if you've been w- listening to this show, I love comics. You know I love comics. I love very specific uh, milestone comics. I love events in comics, the building blocks, especially my first two years of this podcast. If you listen, you will walk alongside me as things happened. Events happened. Crossovers happened. Uh, the, 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 the birth of the Maxi series, the adapted works from toys and cartoons, which we seem to be in a resurgence right now. It, it, it's like every 23, it's 83 to 2003 to 2023. Those are the, those are the, you know, fuses that, that that start the movement and then it, it, it depends on how good the product is how the stories and the art how long that that lasts but it is it has definitely been this 20-year cycle and we are in a new version of that cycle right now with thundercats with transformers all these books that are coming out we are in this uh 20-year cycle and it's exciting the bottom line is it's moving copies it, it possibly is bringing people back in maybe a thundercats fan who is now 40 years old who that was their favorite comic uh that their favorite cartoon back in the day and marvel did a brief a- a- adaption of it and then in 2003 uh warner brothers revisited it and, and under the uh, dc label they did a thundercats but then it's been gone for 20 years because it had a short brief run but maybe those people are coming back to comics to buy the new thundercats to buy the new transformers who had taken the last two decades off you you just never know, and that is the secret and the beauty and and uh, the importance of, of comic books. One of the themes that I've been discussing on this podcast uh, f- since the turn of the new year, it was one of our launch topics, was, uh, was Alpha, 
the alphas, the the the, the absolute go getters, the, uh, the 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 basically the most aggressive of the species. I got to be honest. While alphas exist in comic books and the arts and in films and movies, the last place that you really see the most obvious assertion of an alpha is in sports because the alphas kind of you know they they express their competitive nature they express their aggression uh, more boldly and and it's still safe and it's still okay and we still celebrate it in sports football and basketball being the most i think prominent way that that comes forth i think it comes more in the world series when when all the cards are on the table when the stakes are so high but over 160 180 games the baseball season good god almighty it, it it's it's hard to to have the alphas roar as much as they do in an 18 game uh nfl season or or even the elongated you know uh 82 81 games that the nba season i don't know what it is now that, that we added the the in the the playing the 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 in season tournament uh this, this last year but the aggression and the assertion, the the uh, the alphas, uh, it's 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 driven home in the thunder dunk, you know that 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 Kobe used to do, that Michael Jordan, you know, uh, uh, kind of made so very famous, and and that LeBron James has really uh, utilized to the most success. Uh, it, 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 it is the emphasis, the emphasis on the aggression and the being the top. You know, as, as I do this, I, I uh, because obviously I'm a Laker fan. I'm born and raised in Southern California my entire life, 56 years spent here uh, on the soil of Southern California. I was there when Magic got drafted. We, we had to watch whatever games we could, listen to them on the radio because they weren't heavily broadcast. But then the, the competition between Magic Johnson and Larry Bird got the, the, the games televised more on primetime. Uh, that, that that was my favorite sport growing up. I've always liked basketball, just an edge more than football. And 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 honestly, there's just there's more basketball to absorb. The seasons are always longer. As much as I love football, um, but 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 NBA and the NFL are my two favorite sports. I followed them my entire you know uh, lives. But as as a Lakers fan, of course, I'm going to pay attention to everything that LeBron James does. He represents the, the purple and gold. And he, this morning, he wanted to remind the whole world which he should, it was a year ago to the day that he broke the scoring title and became the number one scorer in the history of the NBA. And he's, he's reminding you of that because he is indeed an alpha. Now, I've talked Taylor Swift is an alpha. Margot Robbie is an alpha. Alpha does not have, uh, you know, it, it is not assigned to just one sex. It's, it's or gender. It is, it is across male, female, everybody. That There are different alphas. Madonna is 100% an alpha. And, Comic books used to be more alpha-oriented, and to give it to you in the broadest spent sense of, 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 of the term, if you don't think that the, the guys in Image, we would get together, we'd kick our feet up, and we would talk about how to compete against Marvel and DC, much less Valiant or any of the other people or Legend who was nipping at our, 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 uh, our, our toes, or at least they, they, they thought they were briefly, of course we are, and they did for us too. And we would hear from those meetings. We would hear from the people inside the Valiant meetings who were plotting and planning. Um, Age of Apocalypse was an alpha response to Image. I've covered it in my podcast. Scott Labdell pulled me aside at the post-San Diego Comic-Con, 1993, uh, August 1993, and said, we're coming for you guys. We're coming for you. Uh, we've got some plans. And eventually those plans became 
Age of Apocalypse and a complete reboot of the entire X-Men universe that was brilliantly done in a short window. It's exactly what the, this this uh, House of X stuff should have been, a short, a brief window, not not to the point where it got carried away. It was brief, it was concise, it was enjoyed at the maximum level, but that was an alpha response to Image, which was an alpha response to a group of creators who wanted to break free. The reason I'm telling you about this alpha stuff is I'm going to tell you an, an, an uh, maybe an unknown alpha story uh, and, and whether you know it or not, it's fun to tell, so I'm going to tell it. But it, it's outside of comic books. But it really, really shows you that the alpha aggression, the alpha competition exists sometimes in people that you don't expect, where you least expect it, actually, and outside of comics. Not This isn't even sports or movies. This is squarely in the field, the, the realm of the music industry. Now, recently... And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. It's called The Greatest Night in Pop or The Greatest Night of Pop, whatever. It's about We Are the World. It's the documentary of the making of We Are the World. I was a senior in high school when it came out. When when, when the news broke that, that a group of artists had gotten together to do a companion piece to the brilliant Band-Aid, uh, the British version for Aid to Africa, which was Do They Know It's Christmas, and which I, I will always hold as the superior version. You know, not only was it first, but it was, it was just better, and I may or may not have liked more of the bands involved with that song at the time, you know, from 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 the members of the police to, to Duran Duran, to Spandau Ballet, to Ban- Bananarama, um... You know, to Genesis, I was more into the British wave of music that was coming out at that time. And uh, uh, the, the 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 funny thing is, you know, when I heard that the American quote unquote American artists were going to get together and do one, of course my 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 you know uh, my curiosity was piqued. And the LA Times did a story, I believe it was February fifth, nineteen eighty five, chronicling, uh, confirming that this group of artists did get together. And the man that put it together, Lionel Richie's manager, Ken Cragen, talked about uh, some of the people involved, but basically said, you're going to hear this the first week of April. We're going to drop it. They didn't even have a label signed yet. They said, we're, we're talking to different labels. We're going to talk to you about it. We're going to, we're going to, you know, you'll know when we know, and, and this isn't dropping for basically another two months. And then when it dropped, I remember the morning that it dropped, I was getting ready to go to high school my senior year at Whittier Christian High School up in La Habra. It was uh, Whittier Christian High School in the city of La Habra, yes. And uh, and I, rem- I, I I saw the debut of, of We Are the World. And I was so taken because there it was. It happened. It's Michael Jackson. It's Bruce Springsteen. It's, it's Bob Dylan. You know, it's Diana Ross. It's it's Kenny Loggins. It's, uh, it's, it's Ray Charles, Stevie Wonder, and on and on and on and on. All, all of the amazing, terrific acts that took part in this. And you know what? For whatever um, ups and downs, maybe the verses in the song has that the chorus is extremely song. It's ex- uh, it's extremely strong, and it's extremely catchy. And it went on to be quite an effective anthem. There is no doubt uh, that the chorus became a giant anthem. And of course, that year it then tapered. It it it, it you know kind of paved the way between Band Aid and USA for Africa and. Do They Know It's Christmas and We Are the World Paved the Way for Live Aid, which I watched at my parents' place in Illinois when I had to fly uh, to stay with them the day after I graduated my senior year because my dad you know, had, had uh, brain tumors again, and now we had this really uh, excellent specialist 
because of uh, some, some life events. My parents had moved to Illinois. They allowed me to live with my sister in an apartment and finish out my senior year. I've covered some of this in other uh, podcasts, but it's important to just kind of set the table. But this was a big deal. This was a big deal from 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 We Are the World to, to Live Aid and all the different acts. And if you weren't there, it was so exciting. First, the UK acts all performed, and then it would bounce between the uh, the start of the the, the event uh, uh, in the United States. And of course, you had uh, I, I it was it was it Phil, Phil Collins that flew did, did both got on the jet and and, and arrived in time. Uh, was it Elton John? S- somebody. See, I, I didn't brush up on this because really, this isn't about this. This is what piqued my interest. If you watch the, the documentary, the We Are the World, the greatest night in pop ever. Is that the name of it? Greatest night in pop or the greatest night in pop ever on Netflix right now. It's, it's been charting like number one every day since it was released. And it was released about 10 days ago. By the time you listen to this, maybe two weeks. The uh, it, it talks about how Prince was invited and didn't show up. And uh, Sheila E., who had broken out on her own away from Prince's band and had her own hit that year with Glamorous Life, she felt she's very honest. It's, that's what kind of the sands of time can do is, is create some honesty. She was very honest in, in, in acknowledging that she even felt that night that they were using her to get to Prince to ensure that Prince would show up because what a great thing that would have been. And it would have been. And, 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 and it, he was one of the acts that was noticeably missing when this all went down. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm 17 years old, April of 1985, and I am so wowed by this. But of course, what you do start going is, well, where was Olivia Newton-John? Well, she was an American. And, and, and Ken Cragen covered that in that 1985 uh, LA Times article when he was like, we, we decided to make it uh, American artist only. And that really only came about, sidebar, because Elton John, Paul McCartney, uh, Rod Stewart, and others had turned him down and said they couldn't actually make it. Uh, in, 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 in the documentary, they say acts like Van Halen couldn't make it because they were in the middle of a tour. Well, Rod Stewart and Elton John, they were touring. They, they had other commitments. They couldn't do it. Paul McCartney agreed. Uh, again, this is in the LA Times article, 1985, February. He said, I can I can record it here from London and send it to you. And Ken Cragen, this is not in the documentary. This is this is an addendum from, uh, I've got it bookmarked. I've got, the, I've got the actual LA Times paper. This is just setting the stage, just that it wasn't only American artists until about four or five British people turned them down. And Paul McCartney said, I can do it remotely and send it to you. And Ken Cragen was like, if we say yes to that, everyone's going to want to do it remotely. We have to have everybody in the building. So Prince was at the American Music Awards could have come, decided for whatever reasons not to. That's his prerogative. But I'm going to give you, I'm going to now set the stage for the alpha battle between Michael Jackson and Prince that they do not touch on. But that is, if, if you know which corner of the universe to look in, you'll find it. It happened. It's real. And it set the stage for a decades-long rivalry where Prince and Michael Jackson just just did not get along. And this was their alpha alpha showdown. So, so one of the reasons I've been dying to share this with you guys, it's between Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas of this last year, 2023. Uh, so, so we now, you know, are so excited when our kids visit us who, who are out of town. My daughter lives up in Los Angeles, goes to school up there. We will go months without seeing her because of her schedule. Uh, my, my son, my oldest son works and lives in Texas. So he comes back. We, we have him back for Thanksgiving and, 
And Luke is the most like his pops. He loves music. He seems to align with a lot of the stuff that I liked. He first thing he says to me is, Dad, what 80s action movie can we watch? Because he wants to learn about the era that Bruce Willis, he discovered Die Hard this last year. We watched all of them together. It was fun. And he learned about, you know, the success of Bruce Willis. Because you got to realize the kid is born in 2000. What significant movie had Bruce Willis made since he was alive that he would even know about? So it's, it's stuff like that. Eddie Murphy, Beverly Hills Cop. He said, Dad, thank you for showing that to me. The original Beverly Hills Cop, just total, it, it's such a fun experience when you can share with a loved one. And Luke is super bright, not not scared to, to, to share his own opinions. We disagree on plenty, but the stuff that we really do agree on is, is wonderful. And I had been showing him videos of Prince. I was on a real Prince kick. And he was shocked at how uh, Prince looked in 1979 uh, as opposed to how Prince looked in, in like the, the 80s because uh, I was saying my favorite Prince song is Lover. And, and it, it, it's, it remains one of my favorite. It's, it's you know, I want to be your lover. Okay, there's my bad Prince, but you now you know what song I'm talking about in case it wasn't registering. Um, more than uh, you know, Dove's Cry and, and uh, Purple Rain and, and Raspberry Beret, all of those. And, and I love Prince. Okay, and I also love MJ. I love Michael Jackson. So, and he's like, Dad, he's Prince has got long like surfer hair. He's got long hair, like, and 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 he's wearing like this blouse. And so it, it was just really funny for for Luke to 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 see how these you know diff, different musical personalities, giant you know superstars looked at, at different times. Well, I called him up after he got home, and I said, Hey, I forgot to share this one story with you that took place in 1983. Now, this is about nine months after Michael Jackson shook the world with Thriller, which completely cemented him as the biggest megastar in the history of music. Now, I'm going to tell you, the closest thing anyone has come to achieving Michael Jackson is, in fact, Taylor Swift. But she's not Michael Jackson, okay? Uh, she, she's just right. If there is a rung underneath MJ, it's, it's her. Michael Jackson, just the amount, the sheer amount, the 70 million copies of Thriller that have been sold worldwide. He is number one globally. He is number two to the Eagles domestically. Okay. But, but that, 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 and, and then, and then 30 million of bad. I mean, this, we loved him. We watched his every move. He transformed the business. There's also another documentary I cannot recommend to you more highly is the history of Thriller, the making of Thriller, and what went, what went into that. And you will see the alpha roar, the reason he wanted to make his first song with Paul McCartney. He wanted to be paired with a giant uh, Caucasian white pop star to, 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 so, so that people would pull him, oh, that, that he could get considered outside, even though Off the Wall was a giant album and it ruled on the, on the R&B charts and, and had a couple pop hits and mainly the disco charts as well. He wanted to firmly take over pop with Thriller. Eddie Van Halen being chosen to to put those 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 uh, riffs and that incredible solo on on uh, on beat it. I mean, it's it's very calculated. It goes into all of his different reasoning with the people who were there. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, the 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 alpha that lived inside of Michael was concealed with his high pitched voice and his very you know. Um, kind of soft spoken manner but this guy was ruthless and you're going to see in this story 1983 this is about nine months after thriller has come up you know just dominated and he and in the thriller documentary it talks about and i remember very distinctly because you guys 
those of us we, we remembered albums would come out and they would give maybe four signal singles max a single back when radio and MTV were all you got a single accompanied by a video starting like 1981 would be three months you'd get three months run out of that single then the second single would drop another three months so so I, I remember one time Johnny Gill who was from New Edition said I drop my love songs in the winter months so that they play from November to February then I'll give you a pop a pop tune a dance tune that runs through the spring and 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 again these releases used to be very well thought out and by the time that Thriller Michael wants to release Thriller it, they've already had six giant number one hits from thriller the record company was done they said we did it we got every dime out of this and michael said no i insist that we go forward and as and as you know as uh as as, as history will tell you uh michael packed it with a pop uh it was pepsi that agreed to come alongside uh and finance the production of thriller because the record company wouldn't do it and michael didn't want to pay for it himself well he was willing to but his management said i can get somebody else to pay for this and of course they then became the sponsor for his tour which then leads to his hair getting on fire all this stuff if you were there you know but bottom line michael is a giant in pop music in 1983 well prince and michael jackson are in attendance they both show up in in 1983 to attend james brown james brown the godfather of soul okay the the, the everyone in r&b in soul they worship james brown and with good reason and james brown was touring now this is two years before james brown will have his biggest connection with audiences with his rocky five you know um living in america song of course, that we all associate with Apollo Creed passing at the hands of of of, of Drago. Okay, <laughs> so so but 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 James Brown is still packing him in. He's in an arena. He's at a concert that finds both Michael Jackson and Prince in attendance, and so they were both attending this concert for uh, for James Brown and. James Brown had already been very vocal of his fondness for Michael Jackson. And if you doubt for one minute that in 1983, Michael wasn't the bigger of the two stars between Prince and himself, he was. Trust me, I was there. As great as Prince was, Michael was just a next level, next level superstar status. So they both are attending uh, a James Brown concert in 1983. And James Brown notices that Michael and his sister is also with him and his mother is there. So it's a family affair. They're attending. And, and so how do I know this? There's video footage of all of this. There is video footage that you can look up after you're done here and you can see all manner of different angles because I've watched it from about three angles and this is where I was able to tell Luke of this story. There were cameras rolling, obviously. They're recording James Brown's concert and when you've got Michael Jackson in the audience, they're going to turn their cameras and pick him up. So all of this is not something that I am telling you uh, without actually having watched it myself and watched all of this. James Brown pulls Michael up on stage. Michael comes up, he sings a few notes, kind of tries to rile the crowd up. James Brown is elated. He absolutely uh, adored Michael Jackson and couldn't believe like the great fortune that Michael is in the front section, the standing section right before the uh, down in the pit, right right before the stage. So Michael comes up, and so the story goes, and you see Michael. In the video footage that I've seen, you see him lean in and whisper into James Brown's ear. He whispers into James Brown's ear. 
And then James Brown, and it's on video, says, I need to call up Prince. Prince, where are you? I'm I'm calling up Prince. And it was almost like he had just heard Prince. (laughs) The way he says, I need to call up Prince. Prince, are you there? So uh, Michael had told uh, James Brown that Prince was also down in the pit with him and to call him up. So Mike, Prince's bodyguard, the big hairy guy, you actually see him in the We Are the World. He, he looks like a giant muscular Santa Claus, uh, carries Prince up to the stage and puts him up there. And, uh, you know, the, 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 you, can, you can see the affection that James Brown had for Michael calling him up. He, J- James Brown had, had 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 acknowledged the influence and the success and was a little bit enamored by Michael who wouldn't be Michael did a little dance you know he does a little kind of does a little James Brown hip movement kind of mirrors James Brown James Brown is laughing I'm watching this videos I'm talking to you James Brown is laughing he is cackling he's in his his green vest he's in his green pants James Brown open chest got his gold chain so he hugs Michael Michael has whispered to him that's when he says you know I need to call up Prince so uh he says, uh, you know, he beckons to Prince. Prince comes up again. All of this is on video. I am literally just live, you know, commenting on this. Uh, Prince is carried up by his bodyguard and goes up, up up on stage. His first instinct after James Brown pulls him up is to go for an electric guitar. He grabs an electric guitar from one of the other guitarists and he starts riffing. And James Brown stands back on the stage where Michael is, and they basically observe Prince as he's, as he's, I'm watching it right now, at the 13 minute 42 mark, 20 seconds, Prince is riffing, he is riffing on the guitar, he's trying to get something going, and, and, uh, and, and I think he's uh, trying to get people into it, but, but the audience isn't responding, and more importantly, James Brown is staying a good six seven feet behind him and just kind of observing and not interacting with him not in the in the way that that he was kind of gyrating when mike with michael when michael turned around and did his hip movement and kind of mimicked some of james brown's famous dance moves and then got the big hug uh prince was bothered by this and you can see that he kind of ends up uh finishing up with the guitar and then he gets off the stage and pulls down one of the there's a there's a like a street lamp uh, decoration. It, it, it's it's part of the stage. It's, it's a giant street lamp. He kind of pulls it down and knocks it down as he leaves the stage. Prince does not appear to be happy when he leaves the stage. So here is the behind the scenes story. Michael had talked to Prince prior to them going out and being part of the concert. And Michael knew that in everyone's words, who's a part of this, that M- Michael knew that he was somewhere between high and super loaded. Uh, and and that, and that Prince was again, so you can say super high, super loaded, inebriated, whatever. And he wanted to call Prince on stage and humiliate him. This is this is how the story goes. Now, Quincy Jones, who is a very sweet man, Joey and I actually sat next to him at a. I, I, I know this sounds douchey, but but we actually <laughs> can't believe that comic book people were in a Vanity Fair, that huge giant after Oscar party. But uh, that's that's when I when I was able to hang and connect and have this incredible time and talk with my absolute idol Kobe Bryant but Quincy Jones was there as well and Joy and I sat down Joy was actually talking it up with Quincy he was so funny and so like just um just free and 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 funny and commenting but 
really sweet, genuine guy. And as you can see, beloved by everyone, especially given this We Are the World documentary, you know, he was the guy that they looked to to be the leader that everyone would respect that night and bring everybody kind of be able to curtail everybody, everyone's behaviors and the whole leave your ego at the door thing. Quincy Jones has gone on to, on record in the past, confirm all of the details of what went down and, and again, beyond this footage that I'm, I'm showing you. And I mean, literally, if you watch the footage, Prince really takes his shirt off. He really tries to go extra hard to connect with the people. And, uh, and, and, and he's just not having it the way the, 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 and I'm watching now as he knocks down the street lamp as he walks off the stage. Again, Michael is supposed to, supposedly knew he was loaded wanted him to be brought up on stage to kind of make a fool of himself or try too hard as as it would appear he did and knowing that james brown favor would be with him so you go oh michael was kind of a dick yeah alphas aren't always the nicest nicest people so the crazy part about this and there are multiple witnesses including michael's family uh that they then went after the show michael and and latoya and 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 her and his mother are 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 supposedly attempting to uh, to to get to their car in the parking lot. You got to assume a bodyguard is with them too, and a car nearly runs them over to the point where they have to jump out of the way. And uh, the, the the way the story goes is that Prince waited with waited outside near the the section that he knew they were parked in because presumably they all got there at the same time and he tried to run michael and 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 his mother Catherine and latoya over and that is how the story has has been shared and and of course there's no footage of of that part of the story but that is how the legend goes michael has has commented uh on 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 what went down uh in this regard uh before and if, if you go to like written excerpts on this, uh, it, the, the eyewitnesses say it's not a certainty that Prince, I'm reading from this report, Prince made an actual go towards a hit and run, but his intent uh, was to mow, to mow Michael down is the stuff of pop lore. Uh, regarding uh, Michael Jackson's interpretation of this, and this is what he told friends, uh, Quincy Jones confirmed that this is how the story went down and uh, that that it was the beginning of the bad blood between Michael and Prince. So what this... Now, again, what I'm telling you is you can watch everything I just told you except for Prince trying to run them down and apparently all of the Jackson people in attendance will attest to the fact, obviously Michael's past, but Michael talks some shit about Prince later on at the end of this, uh, which, I'll, which I'll share with you. Um... But in the in-between, you have We Are the World. And so th- there's some extra, I think, uh, uh, there's some extra interpretation that you can add into the fact that Prince wasn't showing up. This is a Michael Jackson written song. A, it's going to have his fingers all over it as a Michael Jackson production with Quincy, with Lionel Richie. And so I think he's very leery, given what went down a year and a half prior with Michael Jackson, to show up and participate, even, you know, in the in the in the best of situations, even in the best of, you know, uh, given that things have cooled and that he would, you know, agree to sing a part. There was this underlying kind of bad blood between them. And so, obviously, as the as the the documentary uh, plays out, Michael, you know, Prince did not did not uh did not show up 
and uh, and and participate. So so uh, <laughs> Michael was also uh, very close friends with Rick James, and Rick James uh, of Super Freak, uh, it, it, famously. Uh, it is believed that his influence is all over the Thriller album too and influences a lot of the tracks and the ways that Michael wanted to expand himself. Um, and because uh, it says that uh, Rick does not, Rick James doesn't get enough credit for lighting the fire uh, under Michael Jackson to elevate his sound for Thriller um, because here's the other thing in the, in the Thriller documentary, again, I'm going from the We Are the World documentary to the Thriller documentary that I keep talking about. Uh, it talks about how angry that Michael uh, didn't win. A, he, he, I think he won one Grammy uh, for for Off the Wall, a movie, uh, uh, an album that is seen by everybody. And I hate to break this to you, there's a great Off the Wall documentary of the entire album that Spike Lee uh, directed and produced, and it came out maybe 2016, 2017. I've bought all these, so I own all these. I, I watch them all the time. I pay for the download, and I and it lives on my my service forever because I love to revisit this. And it has all manner of influential uh, talents who talk about you know what a giant achievement Off the Wall was. Well, the Grammys didn't recognize Michael, which then lit the fire for him to do this incredible achievement with Thriller. But uh, apparently, Rick James is on record as saying Prince refused to sign an autograph for his mother. And Rick ended up spitting on Prince during this altercation. And Rick, Rick James didn't like, didn't like Prince either. So uh, then we have the We Are the World. Prince doesn't show up. Then, and, 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 and if you are... If you believe the story that Michael absolutely is on camera whispering into James Brown ear, which upon which then he calls out, Prince, hey, Prince, come join us. I'm, I'm looking for Prince. So so Michael put that in James Brown ear. Was it manipulative? Did he know that Prince was high? Did he know that Prince would kind of end up making a, a scene? Uh, possibly, which, which speaks to the alpha. It says Michael wanted to embarrass Prince. Who knows how bad that blood had been? Quincy Jones in 1986, a year after We Are the World, suggests that Michael and Prince together share the vocals on the track that is bad, the the, the single that the entire album is named after. Uh, Prince apparently showed up to Michael's home to speak to Michael, and Michael mispronounced Minneapolis. Now, I've never really kind of bought into this, but if you watch the We Are the World documentary, Michael Jackson uh, Lionel Richie says that Michael Jackson repeatedly called him Lionel, like the trains I grew up with, the Lionel trains, when everyone else called him Lionel Richie, Lionel Richie. He said, Michael called me Lionel, Lionel. It's like, a, it's like he's like, it's from Krypton, like Kal-El and, and, <laughs> and Jor-El and, and Lionel. Okay, that's how Michael pronounced Lionel, Lionel. What do you think, Lionel? Oh, Lionel. He, he said his cobra, his, his python liked him. Oh, he likes you, Lionel. This is all the way that that that, uh, that Lionel Richie recounts this on this documentary. Well, you can see, uh, now you can actually see how badly he may have uh, mispronounced Minneapolis, uh, Minneapolis to to uh, to Prince. And Prince didn't like the way that he was pronouncing Minneapolis, and, and it pissed him off. Uh, Prince also was annoyed uh, by by the the uh, uh, so 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 Prince shows up at Michael's home in L.A. Sorry, and it's not in Minneapolis, but he mentions that Prince is from Minneapolis and he mispronounces it. 
repeatedly pissing Prince off. And Prince was also bothered by, just like Lionel Richie was bothered by, the monkey, the birds, the snakes. Uh, he, uh, he brought a gift for Michael. Uh, and, 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 and he had, he had had, uh, cufflinks that had Tootsie Rolls on them. And, uh, Michael being paranoid, this is how the story goes, thought that Prince put voodoo magic on the cufflinks and he threw them away. And, uh, and, and after their interaction and Prince repeatedly correcting him in how he was mispronouncing Minneapolis, who knows how he was saying it? I mean, again, if you go to the Lionel, but Lionel, like he was from Krypton. Um, so, uh, and, and, and between that and the animals, uh, Prince just uh, left the meeting and, and he called up Quincy Jones and said, I'm not going to come and record this track. He says, uh, I, I don't need to be on this you you guys will have a hit regardless and uh so and, and then there are other people that 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 have reported uh that that prince didn't like the lyrics to, to the bad song so whatever you have there there is a there is a history right there of two alphas two alphas outside of comics outside of sports outside of film in the music industry, and you wonder why they were never lovey-dovey. These guys were ruthless competitors. Michael may have been the, you want to call him the brat, the instigator, but he is an alpha. He sneakily decided, I will curry James Brown favor. I will show that I am the favorite of James Brown. Prince will uh, get frustrated and make, a, make an idiot of himself, tear down the lamp on his way off the stage. Uh, he then didn't show up for We Are the World. No one ever said that Michael Jackson was particularly broken up about that, right? Um, he minimized him. And then the two of them just couldn't come together in this meeting when they were deciding to do bad. But let me tell you something. That video footage, it's available. You can find it. It doesn't take long uh, to find it on the internet. And you can watch what I am watching and share and, and see. And do we know if he tried to run them down, His was waiting in the car and had his limo driver try and plow down Michael and his mom and his sister? We don't know that. But what we do know is the antics on stage, James Brown clearly favors Michael only calls up Prince after Michael tells him to, and then everything semi-unravels, and there you go, and there you have it. Because I do believe Michael sensed the genius in Prince as maybe possibly being threatening to his own genius, and like an alpha, looked to take him out. Larry Bird and Michael and, and Magic Johnson couldn't stand each other during the NBA season, hated each other, would only become friends Way, way, way later, apparently when they shot a commercial together, six, seven years into their careers, but then got, got closer after they both retired. Kobe Bryant had certainly had all manner of people who couldn't stand him while he played, and they sing his praises now. Vince Carter sings Kobe's praises. Allen Iverson sings Kobe's praises, but they were both competing with him ruthlessly while he played, diminishing his, his accomplishments, saying they could have gotten those three championships with Shaq if they were playing with him as well. Which, that's not a foregone conclusion, but Kobe, emphasis, clearly, it drove the rest of Kobe's career, and then he went to the finals 2008, 2009, 2010, one in 09 and 2010, back-to-back, adding five rings, uh, getting there before Tim Duncan, having one more than Shaq. First thing that Kobe said when he sits down at his press conference, the first thing following the victory over the Celtics in 2010 that give, gave him his fifth ring is, I got five, I got one more than Shaq. I got more than Shaq. I got five. Those guys were alphas. Again, much less the competition that, that, that came from Kobe and Shaq upon their divorce. I like to discuss the alphas because it's what motivates us. It's what drives us. I'd be lying if I told you that it wasn't driving me to this day.
Um, I want to extend to everyone who has ever doubted or smeared me or said something shitty about me. You kept me drawing an hour more. Uh, you kept my uh, attention on the page that much further. I, I promoted my work with that much more enthusiasm because I have been determined my entire career to not be diminished or set aside. And, and it is that passion that burns in me. But I did not know if, if many of you knew of this absolute alpha rivalry, and especially since they, they don't really shine the light on it where it deserves to be in the We Are the World, because then it turns into a Michael Jackson Prince rivalry, which is what I just gave you, and I gave it to you with footage and, and, uh, and, and accounts from friends and other people uh, that, that, that re-emphasize the, the, the competitive nature and the, the potentially bad blood between them and what kept them from collaborating in a significant way ever. So, so the alpha stuff really drives me. It inspires me. I am naturally uh, uh, attracted to other alphas because I try and feed off the same energy that they put forth in their work to drive my own efforts uh, on the page and in promotions and in production and all of it. It has absolutely informed the competitive nature. One time I lost an entire comic convention audience when, when, when somebody asked me my biggest influence and I said Magic Johnson because before Kobe it was Magic. Magic was ridiculously, ridiculously competitive, not only with the Celtics, but then later with the Pistons, and and then and then later with with Michael Jordan, who he couldn't really compete with because Michael now was at his prime, and and MJ was injured. I mean, uh, the other MJ, Magic Johnson, was injured, and was was worn down, and eventually uh, contracted AIDS and and got out of the league for a significant uh, 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 time, which would have been at the which coincided at the end of the peak of his prime, but competitive nature it inspires i think there's a place for it as long as it's healthy maybe i gave you a not healthy version of that story but is it it is entertaining nonetheless alphas rock so on the subject of alphas as it pertains to comic books because what is Rob's observations becoming if all i did was talk about michael jackson and prince and didn't somehow bring up comic books come on liefeld get your get your act together listen Pop and, and pop music and, and uh, all of pop is something that we do regularly here. And we, we, we find uh, uh, connections and bridges and portals into all of it. But getting back to alphas and alphas in comics, in, the, in recent weeks you may or may not have heard that two of my former, not former, my, my, my fellow, my, my fellow Image Comics founders, the guys... Uh, that were we, we were we were all part of the launch year. We were all the guys that were together when Image took off. We were all initially partners before myself. I peeled off. Jim Lee peeled off. There has not. There has been some uh, disturbance in the force. <laughs> let's call, let's call it. There's been some disturbance in the force over there at Image Comics at Image. Uh, the, the, the remaining uh, group, which is, of course, Todd McFarlane, Mark Silvestri, Eric Larson, Robert Kirkman, Eric Stevenson, and Jim Valentino. So, Jim Valentino uh, took to a popular YouTube show and uh, that is hosted by Niall uh, Scala. Scala, you know, Niall, I, I know you've pronounced your name for me before, and, and, and forgive me. That that I'm I, I'm not recalling exactly how that uh, <clears throat> how that's pronounced, but but Niall, you have your uh, your pop show. Uh, I'll try and get the exact uh, the absolute exact name of the show. But 
Jim Valentino went on the show in the last, uh, recently, maybe in the last week, and he went on to speak openly about the uh, kind of the 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 rift uh, that has developed between him and another image founder, uh, notably Eric Larson. Now I can tell you guys with with great uh, just conviction and 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 knowledge because obviously I was a day one image guy. My, comp- my comic book launched the company in 1992, April 1992, which we're now, you know, 32 years into. It's the Pop XP exclamation point uh, network. Pop XP exclamation point net- network uh, by Niall Scala, S-C-A-L-A. What am I doing if I'm not spelling people's names out on this show? Jim Valentino went on there to discuss kind of what we call beefs. You know, when we cover beefs and feuds. Uh, on the show and uh, Jim and Eric it goes back all the way to 1992 they did not like each other and I've told you before I have alluded to especially in the uh, two-part Valentino episode and I want to give you some some uh, some background on that Valentino those two-part Valentino episodes I mean there was just so much it had to be two parts but uh, I, I did it because I, I you know I've been meaning to speak of the amazing work that Jim did in the Guardians, and 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 again turn, uh, you know, turn the cameras around and look back and focus on that period where Jim took a franchise that hadn't had its own showcase in over fifteen years, and he gave you the first female Wolverine. It wasn't X twenty three; it was Rancor. He gave you the first cosmic Ghost Rider. He gave you the first time that the mutants abandoned Earth and went and found an alien home, uh, which is what they did recently in this whole House of X. Uh, uh, storyline when they're terra- terraforming planets for them to work on. Jim did all that stuff. He he he. It was an incredible achievement, and I wanted to celebrate his incredible achievements and how he, you know, fought his way up to Marvel and got a top twenty book. Both of those Valentino episodes were earlier in uh, th- this year, earlier in January, and in between, Jim went into the hospital, and Jim was deathly ill. And I was in direct contact with Jim. I spoke to Jim during that time. I was very worried, concerned. I spoke to Jim's, you know, uh, family members, and uh, it was touch and go. To 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 act like it wasn't touch and go. Uh, different different people in the media, especially towards the end of his hospital stay, were covering it. Jim himself was again giving me daily uh, updates. But the very first connection that I had with him. Uh, and, and thank you to Eric Stevenson, who who I had asked, I had told Eric that Jim had pneumonia. Eric said, where did you hear this? I said, from Eric, from Jim himself. Then Eric, because he lives up near Jim, was able to be boots on the ground and more, uh, more, more you know, n- now that he was aware of it, he was he was much more focused on, on getting like real-time information. And so he contacted me to tell me that the bad turn that Jim had taken that he was now in the hospital and, and God bless you Aaron Valentino for taking care of your dad it's amazing you're you're just an amazing person and and uh it's 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 just heartwarming to know uh how much you loved your dad and really I believe saved his life by forcing him we're, we're grumpy old men and, and Jim is one of the grumpier uh, old men uh, especially it, it, like where I'm concerned I'm grumpy he's I don't mind telling you he's 
he's grumpier. But uh, to get him into the hospital, you know, Aaron probably had to exert a lot of concern, a lot of will. So thank you to Aaron Valentino for literally saving your dad's life, getting him into the hospital so we can get the treatment that got him to the other side. During that time, especially after that first time, Jim was very doubtful about his own prospects of getting out. Thank God he got out. And Jim has been resting. I am uh, intending, uh, as soon as Jim is is back to full strength, on going and seeing him, uh, get, getting up there and spending time with him. And of course, I will I will share that. Uh, Given if, if he, you know, signs off on sharing of our time together, I'll, I'll bring that to you guys here on this show. I adore Jim. We had great time. You can tell. You know, spending time with him was a was a very. Uh, it just had a tremendous influence, and I have tremendous affection for him. And I have alluded before that when we started Image Comics in 1992, there were a few who were, for whatever reason, and it never connected with me. They had cast such a wide net, and Jim was there at the beginning with Eric and myself, but they didn't really, they weren't terribly friendly towards each other, and for that, I don't know why, okay? That's not my story to tell. But what my story is to tell, because it's made its way out into the press, is that, of course, Eric Larson goes on with uh, Ed Piscor and uh, Jim Rugg, the Kayfabe boys, and he made some comment that that triggered Jim about that he righted the ship after Jim Valentino. Well, Jim Valentino, rightfully so, I think, with this newfound, I'm going to say it again, get ready, get ready, it's Vim and Vigor, okay? You can't say Vim and Vigor better than Todd McFarlane can, so one more time, Vim and Vigor, okay? Uh, Jim, Jim summoned the Vim and the Vigor, and he got... On the air with the pop show with Niall Scala, Pop XP, and he shared his uh, what he believed as his accomplishments as an image publisher that he believed was was overlooked. And and if you go back a couple podcasts back, I referenced uh, Larry Martyr, who was the publisher prior to Jim, had mentioned that after myself and Jim Bal- and, and I'm sorry, after myself and Jim Lee had left, that things had grown boring. Larry. He was so bored that he ended up going to work for Todd, which he worked for. I mean, I feel like I feel like he worked for Todd for it wasn't quite a decade, but man, it was a long time. But when he left, Jim took over. And I gotta be honest, I felt Jim took image into a new era. Invincible happens uh with Jim Firebreather, all those new superheroes in in in, in uh you know uh incentives. And uh, I, I, I just remember suddenly I was really enjoying uh, a lot of the books that were coming out at Image during that time. Noble Causes was a book because at one point they were going to call them a certain name, and Jim knew that Extreme one of the characters in Extreme had a had a name. Uh, that was like one of the names that I believe Jay Faber was considering. And I said, I would have an issue with that. And Jim said, I thought so. Let me communicate it. And then the name was changed and it became Noble Causes. So it wasn't anything with Noble from my end and extreme. I, I Eventually, I will uh, be able to refocus and, and bring you the absolute, you know, exact name that was being uh, that was being considered. But again, Jim emailed me back then. I remember where I remember where I was sitting in front of my big giant computer at my office in the house that I was living in at that time. And Jim sent that email to me. It was very kind and generous. And when I said I, I, I would have an issue with that name being used, and boom, they altered it. Noble Causes came out. Noble Causes was a great comic. Invincible is it's 
its own lore. I mean, it is its own set of greatness unleashed, activated, greenlit by Jim Valentino, which led to Walking Dead. And I understand that I've read those same interviews, listened to those same interviews with Robert Kirkman where he says he felt he had to trick Jim because Jim had kind of some barriers to accepting The Walking Dead in the way that Robert wanted to uh, put forth. And, And so Robert felt he had to trick him. But bottom line, it doesn't matter. He greenlit it. Jim Valentino greenlit Walking Dead and Invincible and Noble Causes. Also, people, a little-known book that, I got to be honest, was one of the best of that era. And I have no problem whatsoever uh, singing the praises of Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Oming's powers. It was fantastic. That book was incredible. So Jim's resume as publisher is stellar. It is actually remarkable it's great and and it took image away from the late 90s maybe doldrums that it had found itself in i think look i think the 90s people were you'll find trust me trust me when i tell you this at the end of every decade there is a group of people who have been working really hard throughout that decade and they burn out they absolutely you can you can watch them maybe it's a band that had three hit albums across 10 years and that last tour is just a grind i think you can find that 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 happened with bon jovi i think i, I watched a documentary they, they they mentioned it i think you can you can find that it happened with the eagles from 19 you know 72 through 1980 what happened and 1979 1980 the eagles fall apart the ends of decades and the dawn of a new one generally brings apart, brings about kind of a grinding down of something that was going on. Something has run aground, a trend, a level of popularity. It has run its course and it is about to be replaced by something new while that other thing either recharges its batteries or is dismissed altogether. So so th- those are those are factors and I can go, you know, back and show you time and time again and, and, and certify all of these things. Dynasties in sports end. They have they have runs. The Magic Johnson Lakers, good God, how many finals did they go to? Seven? Eight? They won five of them. You know, Kobe and Shaq. I mean, Kobe Bryant went to seven finals. He won five of them over a 10-year period. That That is remarkable. Kobe is in the finals in 2000. He is in the finals in 2010. And then it's over. Okay, it, that, that that entire era was dominated by the Lakers, and then right alongside them in the sidecar was the Spurs. But again, they both needed a reboot once that period was over. One rebooted more effortlessly, had better draft picks, had a deeper uh, level of talent that they were developing in the in the course uh, in, in 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 the case of the Spurs. But nobody was more dominant. I mean, seven out of ten finals. For the Lakers and Kobe wins, wins five of those. That that is a really tight window, but it just drives home what I'm telling you that that things run its course. And at the end of a decade or at the very beginning of the new era, that these things ground down. Image had ground down. The late '90s with the uh, a lot of the girly books and Larry Martyr speaks of it in his comic journal interview. He talks like, hey man, he was just signing up books to make the overhead, to pay for the employees, to keep image going. And for that, of course, you know, um, th- that deserves acknowledgement because it could have gone the other way. We read about labels going under all the time, comic book companies going under. But the, 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 that era, those books are not what anyone thinks of when they think of the greatness of image comics, those end of the age books. Uh, the new era 
which which again is signified by powers and invincible and fire breather and noble causes and uh, and walking dead that was exciting and it set the set the business on a new course and valentino and larson going at it and and getting kind of um raw let's put it raw with each other is not something that should surprise you because it's been it's been behind the scenes and kept behind the scenes for many, many years. But like with anything, as, as time goes by, as time passes and things age, uh, people just don't have the same inhibitions that they used to about stepping forth. Now, again, you've got Todd and Mark and Robert and Eric and Jim and Eric Larson. So there's six partners, but two of them are beefing and it's public. And and Eric said what he said. And, and Jim, I think, having survived a a brush with death decided he wanted to come out and say, my ship didn't need to be righted and you can decide for yourself. Now, Jim was a publisher for about four years. Eric was a little, Eric Larson was a little over three years. The guy who has been the standard bearer for publishers is Eric Stevenson, who started to to creep in there around 2007, take more control influence than since 2008. I mean, you're talking 16 years so, so Eric, Jim and Jim Valentino, Eric Larson together are just not even a third. They're, they're, they're not, you know, a third of what, of what Eric's done. I mean, they don't even, they don't even get to half. I mean, Eric is, is into his 16th year as publisher. Okay. So, so you get four and you get three, seven. Okay. So, you know, Eric's done it 11 years longer and he's done a great job. I love Eric Stevenson. He's a, he's someone who I have tremendous respect for. Uh, we wrote some comics together. We we uh, Eric was a key figure editor figurehead. I would have called him. I, I would say that he was my editor in chief of Extreme Studios. Worked with incredible talents. I I, I absolutely one thousand percent credit Alan Moore coming to work with us with Eric Stevenson. Eric spent the time, put the time in. I would interject and get to visit and talk with Alan because I was signing the checks. He was working for me. I was paying for the work. But Eric cultivated those response, uh, those those, those resp- <laughs> not responsibilities. He cultivated those relationships, and he helped everything run on time. And some of the very best books that you love out of Extreme or were a, resp- uh, a result of the love and the care that Eric put into it. The same love and the care that he's put into Image. I mean, I got to be honest, the shudder will come when Eric Stevenson no longer is the publisher of Image Comics, and we don't want to get to that place anytime soon. Uh, Eric has done such a great job shepherding uh, Image Comics, which again, it's a big deal. I-, I do often wonder if Image Comics will be the bigger resume uh, point for all of us, for Todd, for Jim, for myself, for Valentino, for, for Eric, for Mark, everybody. I wonder if that will be the greatest uh, achievement on our resume when all things are said and done. But in terms of alphas clashing, uh, you got a pair of alphas. Eric Larson, Jim Valentino, some words are being exchanged. It's going public. You're hearing about it. I'm telling you it's been there for 32 years. This is not uh, the first this is not something that happened overnight. It has been boiling up like, wait for it, magma, like magma, like Dr. Evil would say, magma. And and the volcano finally, you know, had, had a spillover. I'm not sure it had a full-blown eruption, but I know that in listening to Jimmy, he's very passionate and he wants to be respected for what he put forth, what he contributed. And, and Jim has a good eye. He has a great eye for talent. And uh, I, I think that he should 
speak up because the sands of time can sometimes leave you behind. And again, going back to Jay-Z on the, the, the stage at the Grammys, we got to talk. We got to talk about ourselves. We've got to speak of our own achievements because, you know, other people won't. People will let let things just wash over. They will let the sands of time just completely cover uh, a past achievement. So I am all in favor. Uh, Eric Larson should absolutely uh, promote whatever achievements that he believes are, are significant and special. But whatever was going on, I certainly wasn't there. But I, I you, you've got two image partners publicly beefing. I'm here to tell you that uh, I feel like it's been somewhat somewhat contained and hasn't gotten crazy uh, ugly yet yet at this point but uh, I do believe what happened what's happened with Jim is he was content he was content to retire but then he got sick and his life literally flashed before him and now I think you know it's he's he's uh, to borrow that that uh, term from network and there was a movie kids called uh, called network and and in, in, in a nutshell it's about a network um he says you know I'm mad and I'm not going to take it anymore, you know? So 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 I think that's where where Jim Valentino was coming from, but so started with two pop icons beefing, ended up with two comic book icons beefing, but there is there is beef and as time goes by, people will be more comfortable bringing up more of the beef. You don't need that I'm going to totally age myself. You you know where it's coming, you can hear it. I'm about to say it. You don't need that sweet old lady in that legendary Wendy's commercial to tell you or to ask you where the beef is. It's all over. It's just some people, you know, have it packed away tightly in the back of the freezer, but eventually it's going to thaw out and it's going to be made known. And we will talk about it here on Rob's observations. So it is at this point of the episode after, after we have wrapped up our beefs or, right, and I'm going to tell you to go along with that freezer example some of them some of those beefs are 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 on the grill right now and they're cooking and and we'll talk about them here because we you guys you love your beefs you love your feuds the numbers don't lie look at the end of each and every episode i am so thrilled to bring the reviews that you leave for me on the apple platform primarily on the apple platform because they have the most um review friendly uh uh platform that you for you to interface with thank you to any and all who have left a review. I try my very darndest to get to them and read them at the end. Generally, at the end of each and every show, I'm trying to incorporate them earlier into the shows. Uh, but, but at the very least, at the end of each and every show, I share your reviews. Your reviews are such a help to me. They 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 help our show stand out. They give us an extra um uh, uh, uh an extra showcase. Get, get us noticed more on the platform. I appreciate it so much, and I can never truly repay uh, the time that it takes for you to get out and write these. Today, we are giving you a review from across the pond. This is a observation review from Great Britain. I'm so excited to bring this to you. This this very generous man, this his name is Port Vale Pete. Port Vale Pete. Port Vale Pete, I am reading to you your generous observation. He gave us five stars. He calls the show highly recommended. He writes, great stories and information from someone who has lived and breathed the comics industry for years. Rob's enthusiasm is infectious. Listening to this podcast has reinvigorated my love for comics after years in the wilderness. I began reading around 1976 exclamation point highly recommended 
Port Vale, Pete, I am just so thankful that you thought to, to share this with me. I, I got a big kick seeing uh, that it's from overseas, that it's from one of our international listeners, and I am so thrilled that the infection uh, crosses the pond uh, in, 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 in this incredible digital age that, that, that I am uh, able to reach listeners. Uh, we, we get them from, from Canada. I've, I've gotten them from Australia, from Scotland, and now Mr. Portvale Pete dropped us this beautiful uh, review. Thank you for the five stars. Thank you for the enthusiasm. I'm going to keep doing this show and 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 uh, and and uh, doing my very best to inform and entertain uh, for for people like you, uh, Portvale Pete. I just love saying your name. Thank you again, again for this uh, review. When you when you extend a review to me, I will get to it. I will read it. Uh, somewhere within the context of the show. So thank you, and I look forward to reading more of your reviews uh, on upcoming episodes. When you're not listening to this podcast, and I do appreciate so much all of you that are listening to this podcast, the numbers are through the roof. New readers, I'm sorry, new listeners are coming on, and they're going through the entire catalog. Uh, the, the, the the funnest part of this is watching the 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 charts and the bars and the, and the show views and seeing the interaction. And I guess, you know, as we march towards our fourth year in May, and May will be our very first podcast that we ever did, and I am so grateful to my son who said, Dad, I can set this up for you. Chase Liefeld went out and bought this Blue Yeti. Mike downloaded the Audacity software, showed me how to run my own podcast. Um, what a sweet kid. What an amazing gift that he gave to me, and I am so happy to share it with you, but when I'm not on this podcast, and you're not listening to it, you can find me all over social media. I am on the platform formerly known as Twitter, known currently now as X. I am at Robert Liefeld, full name R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-E, sorry, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D, got a blue check, full name, that's the name I have and I have had since the beginning of when I first joined uh, Twitter like 2008. I love talking with you. I read your replies, your mentions, your interactions with me are so meaningful and special and uh, I am talking to more of you than ever. This is such an exciting time uh, for all of fandom. No matter who you are, what you're into, uh, platforms like Twitter slash X make it so easy to, to interact with all of you. So follow me at Robert Liefeld. Uh, Blue check tells you that it really is me. I'm verified. I'm legit. It's been there for a while um, in that, you know, weird crossover phase when when Elon was taking over. The blue checks were coming and going. You didn't know what they were going to stick. This one's stuck. It's how you know it's really me and not an imposter. And I look forward to you uh, to hearing from you over on Twitter. Follow me at Robert Liefeld. Full name, blue check. Hey, on Instagram, one of my favorites. I do videos. I do reels. I show you what I'm drawing. Sometimes I am drawing. I show you uh, projects I'm working on. I promote some of my live streams. I show the fun time that I'm having with my family, with my friends, traveling, what we're eating. Uh, I, I, I view it as a visual diary. It is one of my, if not my favorite, of all the social media platforms. I am at Rob Liefeld over on Instagram. At Rob Liefeld, another blue check signifies that it is legitimately me, and I look forward to um, talking to you over there. Again, I read your replies, your mentions, your DMs. Uh, I am so I'm so uh, thankful that we can converse as much as we do over there. I am constantly looking. Uh, I, I'm following the alerts when you guys send me a message. I try and uh, get back to you, uh, even if it is. Uh, uh, you know, I can't interact on this level. I can't sign books through the mail or I can't, you know, do w- whatever the request. I try and get back to you. So thank you so very much for following me over on Instagram. I will continue to share the um, sloppiness that is my life over there in pictures and in videos. 
Follow me at Rob Liefeld on Instagram. I look forward to seeing you there. We have a great group over on Facebook. We spend a lot of time uh, cultivating all the good vibes over on a group. It's a group. It's called Rob Liefeld Marvel Extreme and Beyond. Rob Liefeld Marvel Extreme and Beyond is the group that I interact with. Uh, that I have the most fun hanging out with you guys at. Uh, that is a group. If you choose to join it, either myself or my co-moderator, administrator, Terry Sala, S-A-L-A, there I am spe- spelling names again, Terry Sala or myself will click you on through. We have a great group. We talk comics and art, and Terry runs these great art contests. So many great art artists are participating. Uh, the winner is is chosen via the polls and, and via the, the voting apparatus. But... um. Many of the discussions that we have here, we continue more in-depth over there. A lot going on right now. There's so many things going on. We invite you to join us. Join the party. Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond is the name of the group. I look forward to seeing you there and clicking you through to the other side. There is an app. It is called Whatnot. I've been on it for about 19 months now. I enjoy so much sharing exclusive comic books, variants, uh, entire issues like my brand new release last blood which is 28 brand new full color pages with various covers uh that i wrote and drew uh which concerns some of the fates uh so far and and probably all of the fates of my famed extreme universe which was the universe that you got to know when i launched image comics blood strike brigade profit glory the berserkers um look for so many of these characters as i am i decided if i'm if someone's going to tell the end of their story. It better be the guy that made them. It better be their creator, and it is, and it's me. And so far, those are selling out each and every night. If you want to get a copy of Last Blood, we keep making new issues available for you. Please join with us uh, over on Whatnot. Download the app. It's a great collectible app. They have trading cards. They have manga. They have uh, they have collectible card games. They have uh, sports uh, gear, jerseys, kicks. They have all of it. I am in the comic book section and we also I, I do remarks on Funko Pops on actual action figures toys I have a great time talking right directly to you through uh, the, the the live stream video feed it is very much an extension you have told me that of this show with me just blathering sometimes 90 minutes sometimes two hours but you can uh, jump on and be part of all the different things that we share we have a buy it now store that you can buy things interestingly uh, instantly you can buy them instantly or you can participate in one of the many auctions that we uh, put forth. You can find out what a blood splatter Liefeld logo chisel is. What? That's a mouthful. Or just a drop shadow Liefeld chisel. Um, I do all sorts of custom signatures and remarks. I very much encourage you to get the WhatNot app, download it, follow Rob Liefeld, follow me, Rob Liefeld, and then you'll get notifications when I go live, which I am doing uh, at least twice a week at this point because we have so much to share with you. So check us out on WhatNot, give us a follow, and be alerted to our next live stream with all the new cool stuff that we've gotten. You guys, it is the year of Deadpool. There is so much outside of my own original uh, Last Blood comic book that is only available through me via WhatNot, my, my live streams, only. And those are selling out every time we share them. But also all of the crazy Deadpool stuff, the merchandise. We've already got the brand new Funko Pops. We've got all new merchandise bags uh, that, that have come our way. And, and you're going to get a hold of that stuff from the Deadpool creator, me, uh, through WhatNot. And I cannot wait to share it with you. It is at this time, at the end of the show, that I want to wish you all the very best people. I hope that your mental, your spiritual, 
your physical and your emotional state is exactly where you need it to be. I hope it's healthy. I hope it's happy. I hope no matter what life is throwing at you, and life throws a lot at, at all of us, we're always uh, carrying some sort of burden, right? Uh, managing some new crisis with family, uh, loved ones, friends. And hey, I'm there with you. I'm down there with you. I am uh, just fist bump through this Blue Yeti mic. I, I, am, I am standing with you. My, I always encourage you to take a break, get away from the grind, whatever that is, go lay down. Oh my gosh, sometimes it feels so good at the end of the day. You know what it's like to kick your feet up. Do it on the recliner, on the sofa. Do it in the beanbag. Get the TV on. Watch something great. Watch a great sci-fi, a fantasy show, a superhero film, a streaming uh, show that you've been that you've been meaning to watch. Man, I am loving Masters of the Air on uh, on Apple, it is the trilogy, the end of the trilogy, which started with Band of Brothers, then went to the to um, the Pacific. Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg are the executive producers. The guy that directed uh, the seminal first season of True Detective, Corey uh, Fukunaga, is is. Uh, is is directing each and every episode so far that I've seen. It it, it deals with our our uh, you know the 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 air enforcement, the air force uh, that 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 served the military during the war, and it is harrowing. It is a great show. I could not give it the a a, a more um, robust recommendation. Such a great show, and 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 I hope that you can check out something that you love and enjoy, and watch it with a loved one. Eat great food, pizza, pasta, uh, Mexican food, enchiladas, chimichangas, tacos. I had tacos for lunch today. It was a great hour, man. That oh, those those crispy chicken tacos. I won't tell you where I got them from, but man, they hit the spot. Food is such a comfort activator. Hey. Have a cupcake, and by all means, holy moly, have a Reese's Big Cup. That is my go-to default. I'm gonna feel great for 90 seconds, and it's gonna kick off my day in the in the very best way. If if it's if it's 11 a.m., I already had that Reese's Big Cup, okay? And they are just packing them full with all the new uh, latest crazy flavors. If you've never had one, get one with Cocoa Puffs, get one with potato chips, get one with pretzels, uh, get one with Reese's Pieces. Good Lord, where will they stop? I don't know. Uh, Look, obviously I like candy. I, I, I like food. I like just taking a break from the grind. That's what this really all gets down to. Take that Take that break. Take that um, time for yourself. Get right. Know that we're rooting for you. People, don't leave. Don't go far. Please come back around. We most certainly, absolutely, most definitely are going to talk again. We are going to talk again real soon. 